It's good to be with you this morning. We enjoyed the first hour at the uh, Bible study, and now we're going to go into the uh, lesson of the hour. I want you to put your thinking caps on, if you will. One year ago today, the equivalent of this Sunday, where were we? We were not here in this assembly as a congregation. You may have had a number of persons here who stood in front of a camera of some kind and then gave a lesson that maybe you could get in your home. At Tyner, it was the same thing. George and I, with our wives, would be there. Gary Jones would come and lead singing. We had a system for streaming, as it's called, that was very primitive and ancient. So we weren't even, we're not even getting the lessons out like we should have. When I talked with members at that period of time, and it didn't matter if it was Tyner, St. Elmo, Browns Ferry. An awful lot of gloom. An awful lot of pessimism. We were not sure about vaccinations. Matter of fact, just a year ago, about this time, the thoughts were coming through that these vaccinations are going to take place. It's going to help. I want you now to open your eyes, see where we are one year later, almost to the the, uh, day. Where are we today? What is your feeling today? How, How do you think things are? Are you... Optimistic or are you pessimistic? Do you think things are going to go well for our world? You notice I didn't say just our community. These problems that we're facing right now, brothers and sisters, these are not only countrywide but worldwide problems. It's easy to get discouraged. I think it takes less energy to be discouraged than it takes to be happy. And if we stay discouraged as long as we can, that's when the devil's going to be happier than he's ever been. The one person that does not want you or me to be happy is the devil in hell. I, for one, don't want the devil to take over my life. Not for a moment. If there are weak spells that I have, as everyone has, then I'm going to have to do something about it. What about this new year? Do you realize that this is the last service 
of the year 2021. We are back in our assemblies today. We still cannot visit in the hospitals and the nursing homes like we would like to. And that's an important part. We can't do those things. I am hoping and praying, and I really believe, and you'll see this from the lesson today, that things are going to get better. They're going to get better. But the important thing is, am I ready myself? We saw this in our Bible study this morning. When is the Lord coming? I don't know. The Lord doesn't know. That's a date reserved in the mind of Almighty God. And when it's time, Jesus Christ will come and nothing will stop it. No disease, no famine, nothing will stop it. The Lord appears in the clouds and the judgment takes place. I want us to be ready. You see, so as I look at this lesson today, what will I make of the new year? I want the new year to be a year of love. I want it to be a year of service. And I want it to be a year of optimism. I don't want to be the person that walks around and somebody says, how are you? And they say, oh, I just don't think I'm going to make it. Well, folks, I may not make it, but I'm going to go down fighting. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to try. I've been through too many times, too many things. May 24th, 1990, I was at the point of death for three days in the intensive care unit at Memorial after brain surgery. I was in bad shape. Bad shape for a while after I got out of there. But we're still going today. And if I'm figuring that correctly, 1990, and this is almost 22. Wow. That was over 30 years ago. And a lot of people, and you prayed here, and other congregations prayed for me because... The report was not good. But God intervened, and God knows. He's the great physician. And there we go. In the book of Acts, the 17th chapter, verses 24 through 28, we have the Apostle Paul here telling about his background and Christ and what, what, what there is. He's up on a hill. Mars Hill. And what a sight that must have been. Altar after altar after altar, altar after altar. This God, that God, any God you can think of. And then you go far enough and you look. And here's an altar with no inscription. That's the altar to the unknown God. In case we've missed anybody. They're building a, an Asian religious temple on gun barrel on the Hickory Valley. Be open soon. 
They said for the Asians, they had to make it a little bit bigger than they thought they would because so many people are moving in here from that part of the world that they've got more gods that they've got to put in there. I have only one God to serve, God Almighty. And not some statue, not Mars Hill. Now what did Paul say to the people there? In times past, God winked at this ignorance. And now he commands all men everywhere to repent. I'm going to take that and apply that to our lesson today. God doesn't want us to go around with our faces dropped to the ground. He wants us to be realistic. There are some things that we can do, as we saw in our lessons in Bible study, and some things we can't, but what we can, we must do. And I believe that I can love this coming year. I believe I can be of service. And I believe I can be very optimistic. You'll see as we get into the lesson, this optimism may not necessarily be something that's coming to me from what I see today. I can probably go home and pick up the newspaper And before I am off the first page, I'm going to see some very discouraging things. I haven't looked at it, but it's going to be there. But I want to come back to our thinking today in this assembly, in our Bible study today. I want us to be thinking about those things. And when I read this in Acts about what God has done here, and he's not worshipped with men's hands as though he need anything, seeing he giveth to all life, breath, and all things. A statue doesn't give you anything. It may be a great work of art, but it doesn't give you life. It doesn't give you breath of life. It doesn't give you any of those things. Paul said in the book of Romans, all things are yours. And so I'm looking at like that for this coming year. I want to go over some scriptures with you. A lot of this will be reading from the scriptures. Because I want you to hear it. What about love? What about love? Love's sort of something a lot of people talk about and don't have any idea what it is. I told you in our Bible study this morning that my simple definition of love is act of goodwill. God sent his son. We say love, that was act of goodwill, was it not? Any good thing Act of goodwill. And you find so much of that of God, and then we are to be like him. And so there are things that we need to do. But in love, we must put God first. Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38. And he said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the great and first commandment. In all that's in this world, I've got to put God first. You say, well, Brother Cup, what about your wife? What about your children? If I put God first, he tells me how to take care of that wife. He tells me what to do and what to expect of those children. Then it's his love that keeps me going. 1 John, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 3. 
Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is begotten of God. And whosoever him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Hereby we know that we love the children of God when we love God and do his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. I cannot stand before you today and tell you that I love God if I can't stand Carl. George is married into the Purrier family. We have a relationship closer than it was 20 years ago. I've got to love Carl. He has to love me because we say we love God. How can we say we love God in whom we haven't seen? First John. When we can't stand our brother or sister. I like what Paul says in Romans 8, chapter, verse 28. For we know to them that love God, all things work together for good, even to them that are called according to his purpose. Overall, total, hasn't God done more for you than even you imagine? Who else has sent a son to die for us? Who else has given us a book, a message that is infallible? No one. But God did. So I love God. Next, I'm going to be my brethren. Oh, Brother Cup, you shouldn't say this, but I'm going to anyway. Sometimes it's pretty hard to love your brethren. And you know why? We're all human beings. You have your thinking, you have your thinking, you have your thinking. And I don't know why we're worried about your thinking, because mine's right all the time. Oh, oh you all didn't know that, did you? Gospel preacher stood in the group of, uh, group of people, large congregation, and he just got all excited. And he said, be reasonable, do it my way. Well, folks, you know, I like to tell you my way is infallible and my way is great and I never make mistakes. But I don't want to lie to you like that. I've made mistakes just like everybody else. If you're not doing something, you don't make mistakes. Yes, you are. When you fail to do something that you know to do, that's wrong. Now, notice some of the things about the brethren. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 9. But consider, love of the brethren, ye have no need that one write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. That's our first commandment. Love your neighbor as you love God. Folks, if that wouldn't help the shootings and the killings in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I don't know what would. When we start looking and respecting each other, we're not perfect. We all make mistakes. Isn't it interesting? Hebrews 13 and 1. Let love of the brethren continue. You have to be reminded. And the reason you have to be reminded is because sometimes we get so wrapped in so many other things. We have a tendency to forget it. 1 Peter 1 verse 22. 
seeing ye have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Love one another from the heart fervently. When I was a young preacher, I guess I thought when I saw somebody say to somebody else, I love you. I see husbands, I love you, honey. I love you, honey. That was in public. What was taking place when the doors were closed? And I don't mean personal time. I'm just talking about home time. Like three men driving back from Widow's Creek years ago. Down in Alabama, you remember the nuclear plant. One guy was very upset with his wife. He said, when I get home, if she doesn't have supper ready, she's going to hear about it. I mean, he's all upset. Nobody knew why, but he was upset. Now, that tells you something's going to happen when he gets home. And they drove up the road a little bit further, and then he said, and if she does have supper ready, I'm not going to eat a bite. Know anybody like that? I do. I've done too much marriage counseling not to know a number of people like that. What about my fellow man? Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. A like unto this is, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Somebody told me one time, if I love my neighbor like I love myself, I don't think the world could stand that much love. You know, he probably was right. What do you love? You love a person. Do they make mistakes? Yes. Does my neighbor make a mistake? Yes. Matthew 5, verse 43 and 44 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, You have heard that it has said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies and pray for them that persecute you. When I was preaching in Rochester, New York, we were putting an addition on the building. And the contractor was a very interesting person. There were a lot of Jewish people in Rochester, New York. Tremendous Jewish population. And they were talking about it. And the Jew was talking to this contractor. And the Jewish man said to the contractor, I want to give you a message, a lesson. I said, what is it? He said, pray for your friends. Contractor looked at him like, what are you talking about? He said, I know what you Christians say. Pray for your enemies. He said, pray for your friends because you don't know what they're going to do. And isn't it sad to think of good friends we had in times past that are gone? Romans 13, verse 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. We love God because he first loved us. We, that book of 1 John is just so full of love that it, it literally oozes out. And what a lesson it is. What about service? We're going to sit on our hands and say, well, it didn't work last time. Not going to work this time. You know, Thomas Edison, we enjoyed these light bulbs. These new, light, these new LEDs, aren't they unbelievable? 
I mean, they're unbelievable. Thomas Edison did over 1,200 experiments before he got the light bulb like it was supposed to be. And that was very primitive. I said, Mr. Edison, what have you done with 1,200 experiences? He said, I learned 1,200 ways that it won't work. You see, sometimes you have to know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Galatians 5 at verse 13. For ye, brethren, were called for freedom. Use only not your freedom as an occasion of the flesh, but through love be servants one to another. Be servants one to another. Philippians 3 verses 5 through 8. Have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus who existing in the form of God, counted not the being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, yea, unto the death of the cross. The Hebrew writer will say, even though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. He served, being then made perfect, and became the author of eternal salvation unto all those who obey him. The scriptures talk about service. Great is he who serves. Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them, not so shall it be among you. But whosoever would become a great among you, he shall be your minister, and whosoever would be first among you shall be your servant. Even as the Son of God came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. What service Jesus Christ gave. Even though he were his son, Yet learned he obedience, how? By which he suffered. Oh, we suffered this past year. People say, oh, it's been horrible for the last 18 months. It's not been a picnic, and I don't want to go back there. But it wasn't bad. Some of you who are old enough, and I put myself in this category, remember the Depression. I remember the Depression. I remember when there wasn't food to put on the table. My mama, I don't know how she fed us. I can remember when they gave us a book to go to the farmer's market and, and, and get, they actually let us have cheese also. Oh, that was good. And that's how we were fed. And then the clothes that we wore, we were given chits or slips for that, however you want to put it. Greatest thing I ever had was a dark gray shirt, dress shirt. I wore it every place. I wore it to play in if my mama didn't catch me. I wore it to school. That was the greatest thing I ever had. Somebody gave it to me. Luke 22, verse 26. But ye shall not so be, but he that is greatest among you, let him become as the younger, and he that is chief as he that serves. You will never become so important in the church that you don't have work to do. The more important you are, elders, deacons, members, song leaders, whatever it is, 
You're using talents that God gave you. You've got to serve. And that's what I want to see this coming year. I want a lot of love and I want a lot of service. We're going to see in a moment it can't be done. You remember in Luke 14 about the wedding feast and they went out and there's nobody there. And the master becomes upset and he says, go out and even get the crippled ones and bring them in. And he said, Lord, we've done it. And they're not there. He said, go into the highways and hedges and constrain them to come in that my house may be filled. This night, New Year is going to be interesting. All the studies that I'm doing, all the readings that I'm doing is not positive in the sense that religious expressions, no matter who they are, what they are, are dropping at an unbelievable rate. Church attendance, no matter who it is, it's dropping like you can't believe. The Southern Baptist, there's nothing wrong with saying that, because their figures have gone down so far, they're really, they're really concerned. In the churches of Christ, our attendance has gone down. And I'm hoping and praying we're not going to try to fulfill our responsibility by watching a television streaming a sermon. It's good for those who can't come. But for those of us who can come, we need to be in the assembly. We need to be in encouraging one another. We need to be serving one another. We need to be loving one another. And if we're not, something's wrong. Matthew 25, verses 34 through 36. We spend a lot of time today in Matthew 25. Then shall the king say unto them on this right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me to eat. Thirsty, you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Going on their service. (laughs) They said, Lord, when did we see you like that? Thought here, what if, Lord, you're naked, we're going to give you clothes. If you're in prison, we're going to come see you. When did we see you like that? He said, Inasmuch as you have done it, what? Unto the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. So our service has to be God-oriented because he's taught us what we need to do. Now the last point in the lesson, last point in the lesson. I believe that the Christian life has to be a life of joy. I believe our life as a Christian has to be a life of joy. Romans 5 at verse 2. Here's salvation. Through whom also we have had our access by faith into his grace, therein we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I'm optimistic today because I know that salvation comes From God, I know that we have access to God. We can pray to God, and he hears us. Nobody else hears us or cares. But he's there. 2 John 1, 1, verse 4. 
I rejoice greatly that I have found certain of my children walking in the truth as we have received commandments from the Father. Philippians 4, verse 4. Little children learn this. It's easy to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's not just an empty saying or a catchy phrase. I need to be able to rejoice in Jesus Christ. I may not always be happy with my brethren. I may not always be happy with the situation. But I know the ultimate goal of Almighty God is what? Salvation for my soul and the soul of others. And I need to get about the work doing it. I can't just sit back and say, well, I'm getting old now and I can't do it. The older you get, the more you should know. Now, what about this fellowship? First John 1 and 3. That, three. that which you have seen and heard declare we unto you also, that ye also may have fellowship with us, yea, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and I will add with the Holy Spirit, because that's where the word came from. Holy men of God spake as they were by the Spirit of God. So from God, I have a lot to be happy about. I have a book that has, stand, has stood the test of thousands of years. I have a book that is so good that when they found what they called the Dead Sea Scrolls hidden in the cage for almost 2,000 years, and they took them out and they deciphered them. The Isaiah B scroll that they found, A and B, the B, was almost identical to the best scrolls that they have on Isaiah. Now, do you think that was an accident? Uh Uh-uh. I believe that was the providence of God. This is the God that I rejoice because of. First Corinthians 1 and 9. God is faithful to whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Galatians 3, for as many of you as have baptized into Christ, you wear Christ, you put on Christ. We have this special relationship with Jesus Christ. God is faithful to whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son. This is the Son of God that died on the cross. We have a relationship with him. He's our elder brother. He's the one that died that, might have, that I might have hope of eternal life, and you also. And I want to keep that in front of my mind this coming year. I can be optimistic because of all you've done, God. Notice the Christian has been given the promise of eternal life in heaven. John 6 at verse 8. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Boy, I I love that. Here's Peter. He's a little impetuous. He goes off here and he goes off there. But when it comes right down to it, he knows what it is. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. 1 John 2 and 25. And this is the promise which he promised us, even the life eternal. That's out there. That's past not being able to come. That's past COVID. COVID will pass like many other sicknesses and diseases are past. And no matter how long it is or what it is, when we die, we'll still face the judgment. 
Titus 1 at verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before times eternal. I'm optimistic. I believe everything God says. I believe it. I know that the providence of God is such. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Spirit of God. Romans 4. These things are written that you might believe. I believe. John closes his book by saying, many other things did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. Too many things to mention. And we can down to the love of God. There is no end. So as I think of this lesson and I close these thoughts, what will I make of the new year? I want to make it a year of love, of service, and of optimism. And let's challenge ourselves to get out of our comfort zone this year. Oh, I'm just sort of satisfied and things are just sort of sitting there. If you can move, move. Which way you have to go, pray to God for direction. It may not be the way some want to go. But it's what is best for the kingdom of God, for the church. We don't need to rest on our laurels, no. Brother Cup, we've done so many good things in times past. You did good for me. You brought me to preach at Tiftonia. My first year there, you paid my entire salary. They were just getting started. The building was just half there, not even finished. The second year, you paid about half of my salary, and I appreciate that more than you'll ever know. You have been a part of my life. I've been a part of your life. And that says to me, John, they helped you to come here to keep make sure that you don't get in a rut and just fail to accomplish what God has given you the ability to do. I want this new year to be a new year. I don't want it to be like the one we talked about today, the one talent man that hid what he had. And then when the master came back, he didn't give him like ten or four. He just gave him what he gave him. And the Lord said, you're wrong. You should have done something with it. So my closing thought is this. What am I doing with my life for this new year? I haven't been there. I don't know what it's going to be. A year from today, this the equivalent of this Lord's Day, I hope things will be better wherever we are. At Tyner, at Tiftonia, now Browns Ferry Road, St. Elmo. Some of the congregations are gone. Brainerd's gone. Good congregation. Things change. They are working, though, with another congregation. If one shuts the door and says it's not practical to be here anymore, we're using too much money and wasting the Lord's money. And you do have to close the doors at some of our congregations in town. You just don't sit home and brood. You go to another congregation and you become a part of that fellowship and you work with those brethren. You might just be the spark that they need. Don't forget that. Be optimistic. Keep your head up. 
The only time you need to look down at your shoes is when you're putting them on. Then you go, feet shod, whoa, with the preparation of the gospel. I believe I'd heard that, haven't you? That we go out to do the work of the Lord. Now, if we love serving or optimistic regarding our future, we'll be out of our comfort zone and in the new place where we need to serve God. So I'm going to challenge myself, and I share it with you because I love you. I'm going to challenge you to listen to what I've said from the Word of God, not John Cup, but from the Word of God. You'll notice I read Scripture after Scripture because I wanted you to know where it was coming from. And I want you to know that that's where we're going to be judged in the last day. Jesus said, the words that I have spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day. This is the word of the Lord. Have you obeyed the Lord? Are you doing his will? Believing that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Have you repented of your sins? The more I study, the more I understand sin. Have you repented of your sins? Are you willing to confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Will you then be buried by baptism for the remission of sins, resurrected what? Walk now in a newness of life. New creatures, new persons. You're now wearing Christ. I want to warn you, though, the devil wants you then more than he wants you now. He wants you now to be his servant. God doesn't want that. So if you become a child of God and you've drifted and you've fallen by the wayside, God wants you to come back. If you're here needing the Lord in any way, we urge you to come as together we stand to sing.